uh, God gave us the church for a lot of different reasons, but the church, really, when the church is what the church is supposed to be, church is awesome. It's awesome. Conversely, when the church is not what it's supposed to be, <laughs> church can be downright miserable. You don't have to amen that, but it can be. But we want to be an awesome church, not because of us, not for us, or for our glory, or for our name, but we want to be an awesome church for the glory of Christ. Turn to uh, Acts chapter 2. We'll get there in just a moment. I want to invite you, though, tomorrow night, if you want to come out at 6.30 p.m. to um, a class that I've prepared, brand new class, uh, all new materials for you guys, and uh, I would encourage you, if you're thinking about membership at, uh, at Calvary, that you would come. It's at 6.30, and it's our new members class, and perhaps if you've been a member a long time, it'd be great for you to, to come and sit in with us and, and help newer members get to know some of the folks who have been here a while. And uh, so that's tomorrow night at 6.30. If you want to come, just take your welcome card, if you would, that you filled out earlier, and just put it on there. Just write new members class right on the back. Just write a real big new members class, and that way we'll be prepared for you. It's right here. And uh, actually going to be over in the fellowship hall. But anyway, we'll have a good time doing that. It's a great informative class. You don't have to join if you take it. Um, and uh, you can just take it and find out more about us. If you want to, you'll, you'll be able to uh, join also. So uh, then following this service, I was looking in the bulletin and it said something about fried chicken and potato salad and coleslaw and rolls and sweet tea and all that kind of good stuff. That's our missions meal. No use for you to go out and eat when you can walk right over that building and eat a great meal, and it's just a donation, whatever you want to give, and then it all goes 100% to help fund missions teams that Calvary uh, does and missions efforts. It can be from everything from children's retreats to missions to different places in the world, but um, all of it goes to help that sort of thing. Now, I want to take a little survey with you, all right? You find Acts chapter 2. If you're not, just continue to turn and, and, and you'll find it, but <clears throat> it's right after Acts chapter 1 and uh, <laughs> right just before 3. And we're going to take a little survey. We're going to take just a little survey. Yesterday, my cell phone broke. I have an iPhone 6 Plus and it won't charge and I had about 5% of my battery left. So I want to just for fun, I want you to be honest now. It won't be any good if you're not honest. Let's take a little Self, a little survey here. Suppose, not like snatch it away, but what if we all agreed that right now we could take away your cell phone from you? Right now for one week. How many of you would say, be honest and vote, just lift your hand. If you were to do that, if you were to come down and just take my cell phone and keep it for a week, you give it back to me, but be gone for a week right now. i got to lose it with no prep. I'd be really nervous or anxious. Be honest. How many of you would say that? I, okay. I figured so, and a few who won't admit to it. All right. <clears throat> what about this? I actually uh, actually got anxious just thinking about it. <laughs> All right. How about this? Be honest. Be honest. And the husbands, you may raise your hands for your wives, and wives, you may raise them for your just don't try to raise theirs, okay? That won't work. I might actually be addicted to my cell phone. Is that you? I might actually, oh boy. And you know, we know that a lot of people are in denial when it comes to addiction. 
So for that many people to admit it, did you know that the average college student, the average college student uses their smartphone about nine hours each and every day? That's longer than most of those kids sleep. It really is. And the longer, you know, I mean, the latest research shows that cell phone usage can literally become an addiction. Not, not some made-up addiction, but it, it can be an addiction. There was a study I read, an addiction, you know what that is. That's a, it's a type of uncontrolled and unhealthy habit. And it's well known that people can become addicted to drugs uh, like coffee or alcohol or narcotics. But what's not so well known is that people can actually become addicted, you and I, to behavior patterns, certain behaviors. I just read an article in the August uh, Journal of um, Behavioral Addictions, and here's what it says, and I quote, now think about this. Some cell phone users show the same symptoms that a drug addict might have. Here's some of the symptoms. Listen, think of it in terms of an addiction. Certain people use smartphones to lift their moods. And it may take more and more on those phone, time on those phones to provide the same level of enjoyment. For such people, losing a phone or having its battery die unexpectedly could cause anxiety or panic. You see, in addiction world, that's in the recovery world, that, that's what we call withdrawal. <laughs> Too much phone use, they said, can interfere with normal activities or cause conflicts with family or other people. Despite these social costs, people may not actually cut back on their heavy phone use. Indeed, the report says people might be unable to stop on their own. Now, it wasn't too awful many years ago that we lived without any notion of a cell phone, without any notion of the Internet, but now it's, they've both become tools that we literally can't live without. I mean, we can't live without them, or at least we've convinced ourselves that, that we can't live without them. Do you know, I, I looked this up this morning in an effort to communicate with one another. All over the world, by the way, we have laid over 550,000 miles, 550,000 miles of fiber optic cables just underneath the oceans, on the floor of the oceans. That's enough to go around the earth 25 times. Over 2.8 billion people use the internet. That connectivity is rising like astronomically. 70% of them use the internet every day. And over 10 people, 10 brand new people start using the internet every second. Social networking users spend an average of 3.2 hours daily on social sites. You ever added it up? I haven't. Be interesting, wouldn't it? Social networking, 3.2 hours daily on that's 22 and a half hours a week now you take your schedule 40 hours whatever you have to work and do, do you have 22 hours to devote to that i don't know maybe so maybe not but all of that and the reason i say that all of that is done in an effort to do one thing you know what it's done to connect to connect and so we have smartphones and facetime and facebook but despite all that stuff we're a very incredibly disconnected society. We are heavily disconnected. And you know what we're disconnected from? Not the internet, not world news. 
No, 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 we're very connected there, but here's what we're very disconnected from. Really meaningful personal relationships. Big problem with that is, guys and gals, we weren't meant to live that way. You see, today what we're going to do is talk about this, this question. Why you need a church family. Why you need a church family. It's a perfect message for starting the class that we're starting tomorrow night. But why do you absolutely need a church family? You know, the Bible puts this idea forth very, very clearly. And uh, what it is, it's, it's an idea about uh, a concept about connecting people. But not just connecting us where we can talk or get information from one another. Really connecting at a very deep, intimate level. And that spiritual connection, the Bible uses a word that we use all the time. It's called fellowship. True fellowship. A and you see this very thing happening right in the book of Acts when the early church is first starting. Jesus has just been crucified. He's risen from the dead, shown himself alive to his disciples for over 40 days. And now the believers are gathering. What do those believers do? How do they do life? How do they really connect? And the word fellowship is used here. Same word in the Greek, different English words several times. Look at verse uh, 41. Then those, because Peter has just preached an amazing message, and a lot of people, verse 40, he said, be saved. Now look at verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word, they were baptized. That is, they were brought into the church. That's what identifies you really as a Christian. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. So the church grew insanely. Can you imagine adding 3,000 members in one way? How are you going to do that? How are you going to care for everybody? How are you going to? 3,000 souls, one day. Look at verse 42. Here's what they did. Now just mark it down. These should be the marks of a good, healthy New Testament church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That is, they taught what Jesus had taught to them. And what? And then fellowship. And the breaking of bread. And in prayer, the early church ate together a lot. I hope you understand that. They really did. Because there's nothing sometimes that allows me to sit down and get to know you or you to get to know somebody else or me to get to know somebody else like a meal. And so they sat down, they broke bread, and they had prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together. That's the first characteristic. You see that? They were together, and they had all things in what? Common. That word common is the same word that's translated fellowship, koinonia. They had all things in common. What does that mean? Well, verse 45 explains it. They sold their possessions and goods, and they divided them among everyone as anyone had need. Now, we know that wasn't just to sell everything and just dispense it equally, because we know there are times later in the New Testament this was literally when someone had a need. It was met. It was met. But there are times later when, when the Bible says, no, if a man won't work, won't work, then neither should he eat. But as much as if you had a legitimate need, if I had a legitimate need, they loved one another and had deep connection so much that they would say, you know what? I will sell what I have so you can have what you need. Phenomenal, isn't it? phenomenal very challenging to our version of church in america very condemning to me individually very convicting 
Look at verse 46. So continuing, how often did they meet? Daily. That's amazing, isn't it? With one accord. They only had one car. <laughs> one heart. In the temple. And what did they do? They didn't have a church building, so they met where? House to house. That's right. A lot of intimacy in the early church. They did what? They ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart. They weren't proud. What were they doing? Praising God and having favor with the people. And look at the result at the last part of it. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, there is, not, there is not a more misunderstood, misused word in the church today than probably the term fellowship. I mean, we built a fellowship hall. I said it earlier. They come over to the fellowship hall. That's okay. That's, a, that's an okay use of it. We use that to refer, though, to hanging out with people, which it's really not. Having a party, which it's really not. Being with friends, which it's really not in its deepest sense. Fellowship is so much more than socializing it. So much more than a supper or a meal together. But fellowship, what it is, in its truest sense, write this down on your outline. It's this. It's real, almost hard to describe, but it, but it is soul-to-soul -soul connection. It's the kind of intimacy and involvement and relationships that you read about there. All who believed in verse 44 were together. And they had all things in common. They had all things in koinonia. You could literally translate it, they had all things in fellowship. It's, it's when we really, really care for one another. And church is not just a place that we attend on Sunday morning, not a place where we committed to work. It may be all those things, but it's not just that. You get it? it, it church is our life. The body of believers is our life. We are really committed to one another. I like to call it this. It's like where you really make real, real friends. In other words, we're so connected to one another that we will actually sacrifice to meet one another's needs. Do you know for a real friendship, it takes a lot of sacrificing of time? It really does. You have to say, well, I want to do so-and-so, but so-and-so needs so-and-so. So I'm sacrificing my desire to help them. Don't you think the early church really sacrificed a lot? I mean, boy, look at it. They sold their possessions. They gave to one another as they had need. They, they held all things in common. The term literally means not holding back as we're working together to accomplish God's work. Biblical fellowship is when believers are totally engaged with and committed to one another so God's mission can be completed and because they love one another. Let me ask you this. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hands. Have you ever been on a really great missions trip? Now, I know you've probably been on a bad one or something at some time, but have you ever really been on a great one, like where you go out and you do something together as a bunch of believers, and you maybe go to a foreign country or to a strange place, even here locally? It, there's an amazing amount of anticipation that builds it in there, and then you're planning the trip and you're organizing the trip, and you train and you work. You learn how to share your faith or whatever you're doing. You learn how we're going to serve the folks that are hungry. You learn how we're going to clothe the ones that are naked or whatever it is. And you're just saying, and you laugh and say, clothe the ones that are naked. What do you mean? Is that biblical talk? No, I'm talking about going where people don't have any clothes and helping them. Going to the poverty-stricken areas of this world where people don't have a bite of food. And you mix up stuff that you probably wouldn't eat here on your worst day. 
and they line up for a block just to get a taste of it. And you're working together, and as fast as someone can hand you something, you're scooping it, and you're exhausted. But at the end of the day, you're going, wow, that was awesome. Real fellowship really happens, real connection with my team when I'm serving alongside other Christians on a ministry team. When I go on a missions trip, I'll never forget it. Right after I came here, been here maybe a month, I was walking out the front door, and a gentleman I said, how are you guys doing? He said, Pastor, we're doing great. We're glad you're here. You know what it feels like? And I said, what? He said, church. It looked like it was almost strange to him. He said, church is starting to feel now, church is, like it feels when I go on a missions trip. I mean, like, why do we have to go away to get that kind of a feeling and that sense of involvement and that sense of community? Are there not lost people here? Are there not hungry people here? Are there not, is there not an opportunity to get engaged here? Sure there is. Sure there is. And so my, my connection with others somehow gets deeper and more solid and better than it's ever been. A and that's what we call fellowship. Now, why do you need to be a part of that? Why do you need to be involved in a church family? You say, heaven knows I'm, I'm busy enough. Well, number one reason, write this down. Here's why busyness will never, ever, ever fill your deepest longing of your hearts. Number one, the reason you need to be a member of a church is because you were created by God Almighty to live in the middle of relationships. God has always existed in relationship to himself, even. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God lives and has always existed in community. And you are created in his image. So guess what you're created to live in? Community, absolutely, relationships. God never intended for any one of us to live the kind of pressure-packed, pressure-cooking, shallow relationship, surface relationship world in which we live today. Never. And God certainly never meant for us to live in isolation with no friends, with no help, with no encouragement. In the very beginning of the Bible, if you were to turn there in Genesis chapter 2, you don't need to go there, but God looks down. He's created Adam, and he's looked down, and the Bible says he saw that everything was good, and it's not long, and God says, you know what God says when he looks at Adam by himself? It's not good for a man to be alone. Now, did you get that? It's not good for a, You can't do life by yourself. And that's exactly why some of us are struggling today. It's exactly why some of us are hurting today, why we're lonely today, because we don't have anybody to do life with. You were made for relationships. You were created for these connections. Psychologists refer to it as a universal need to belong. And even Jesus had a close group of friends while he was here. He ministered to everybody, but he had special ones that he was really connected with. There are emotional reasons to do that. There are physical reasons to do that. You will live longer if you have healthy relationships. Dozens of studies have proven that. There are spiritual benefits, all kinds of benefits. So you have to get plugged in. You know, Dr. Edward Hallowell wrote a book called Connect. Here's what he says, and I want you to think about this with American lifestyle. Quote, we are a nation of doers. We hurry from place to place, filling our lives with all kinds of activities, sometimes overscheduling our kids and ourselves. Cell phones go off in the middle of services. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you like that, didn't you, brother? I know him. <laughs> Couldn't resist it. 
Sometimes overscheduling our kids and ourselves. That was just wrong, man. He was over there trying to get that thing. Shut up. But listen to this. What really sustains us, what really sustains us emotionally, psychologically, and physically is connectedness. The feeling that we're a part of something that really matters. Just as there is a vitamin deficiency, there is a human contact deficiency, and it weakens the body, this doctor says, the mind and the spirit. It, it, its ravages can be severe. Listen, depression, physical illness, early death. Or they can be mild, underachievement, fatigue, and loneliness. Just as we need vitamin C each day, he says, we also need a dose of human contact every day with other people. We all know that we need food. We all know we need vitamins and minerals, but we know that we need air. We know that we need sunshine. But most of us don't know that one of the other major factors in your health in life is deep human contact. You mark it down. You go to the most violent of the violent of criminals who are incarcerated. You turn them loose in general population, sometimes they'll kill each other, but you know what? They will be screaming. You can beat them, you can do whatever, but you know what they'll be screaming? Don't put me in isolation. Don't put me in solitary. Can't stand it. Can't stand it. We're not built that way. And so we need fellowship this deep involvement one of the reasons you need to be part of a church is because you need you were created not just to do okay but to really thrive in good relationships you need it another reason you need the church and need to be a member of the church is this i firmly believe this with all my heart you and i need something larger than ourselves to live for you need something bigger than you to live for if all you're living for is the fact that you want to accomplish this and you have your dreams and you're accomplishing your goals and you're accomplishing this and you're living for you i'm telling you you're going to come up short i don't care what you accomplish jesus said what does it accomplish what does it gain a man if he were to gain the profit of man if you were to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul who are you living for what are you living for if you died today, would it make a lot of difference in the world without you, uh, behind you? Have you, listen, have you invested your life in other people? Are you living for something that's going to outlive you? The church gives that, and God's plan gives that. God created you. I just want to say this. I don't care who you are, and gosh, let me just be as plain as I can. Human life can be really, really, really tough. I am sure in this building right now, some of you have been abused, you've been neglected, some of you right now are in conditions that if the rest of us knew it, it would break our heart. Probably some of the children downstairs. It, you, really. Probably more grueling than you and I can even imagine. Life is tough. Life is difficult. And, and at the end of the day, if you're just living for you and you're just living for this world, that's not much to live for. That just doesn't... See, God created you for... I don't care who you are. He created you for so much 
more than this world has to offer. There is so much more. But if you just go through this life accumulating or gathering or just living for pleasure, just living for possessions, you know some people's lives, it's get all you can, can all you get, put on a lid and sit on the can. You know, I mean, just living for you. What you're doing is you're not just messing up. You're not just missing a little something. You are missing the very key essential reason God created you and brought you into this world for. And as part of a church family, what you can do is when you get plugged in, you can discover what you were put here on earth for in the first place. Yes, you. And you get to plug in. This provides a place and an outlet in which to serve God with your life. And the Bible just tells us that God has an amazing plan for every person on this earth, that God loves us, that we fell into sin, but God loves us, and He wants to save every person. He wants every person to spend eternity with Him. And when we were lost, God sent His own Son, the Lord Jesus, so that we could be saved. He was punished in our place. And one day Jesus is coming back. And a lot of us have experienced the truth of Jesus changing our lives and and, and God wants to use you to share that good news with other people. And, you know, we get this world, we, we start watching it, and we think, man, this world is so messed up, and this country is so messed up, and there's no hope, and there's no cure. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Jesus changed you, and Jesus sure changed me. And I'm telling you, God wants to use you, and Jesus Christ is the cure. He is the answer. There's not a person that he doesn't love. There's not a person that he can't free. There's not a situation, that a marriage that he can't save. There's not a kid that he can't rescue. Jesus is the answer. And what he wants to do is he wants to use you. Because you know people that I don't know. And maybe I know people that you don't know. But he wants to use you. People that I will never reach. That I'll never have an opportunity to. To spread the good news of salvation with the whole world. Now listen to me. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a foreign missionary to be a part of God's plan. But you do need something larger than you to live for. Something larger than a house. Something larger than a job. Something larger than stuff. See, you don't have to be a pastor to do that. You can be God's hands and feet as you teach middle school math. You can be a part of God's movement of grace while you're wearing your blue Best Buy shirt. You can, be, you can heal the world as you are bagging groceries. And so don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it. It's precious. Jesus died for it. He loves you. There's a plan for you. Find something bigger than yourself, the gospel of Jesus, and say, God, with all my heart, I want to live for that. God, with all my heart. I want to get involved in my church. And as you get involved in your church and you make these relationships and you see areas to serve, maybe you could sing, maybe you could usher, maybe you could work, whatever. And, and, and I'm telling you, a thousand positions. And you'll begin to study God's word and understand it better for yourself. And before you know it, you'll find yourself plugged in and you'll be loving people and building relationships and experiencing what the church, what church membership, it was really meant to be. But don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. At Calvary, we talk about God's purpose for our lives and, and, and our church really in one statement that we are just passionately crazy 
about carrying out. And it's this. Say it with me. Calvary Baptist Church exists to do what? Three things. To love God, to love others, and spread the word. That's it. First of all, love God. Find out that he loves you. Spend some personal, intimate time with him. And love him passionately. Because only when you love him can you begin to really love others. And especially people that aren't likable. Yeah, there's a lot of people that aren't unlikable in this world. But they still need the love of God. They still need Jesus Christ. And maybe you and I weren't so lovable. Maybe we still aren't. But Jesus can change us. Jesus can change us. And when we love God and put him first, and then we begin to put other people first like the early church did. You have a need? I'll help meet it. I can help meet that need. I'll help meet this need. I had Brother George come up to me today and tell me that a church member had volunteered to come and do a job for him and help him. It meant so much for him. He's standing in the back just starting to cry and tell me what it means that somebody's going to help him with it. Loving others, sacrificing. What does that cost? Does that cost time? Yeah. Does that cost money? Yeah. Sometimes. Does that cost effort? Yeah. Does it cost patience? Yeah. But listen, the rewards are amazing. God can use you. That's why God can use you if you've got mechanical gifts or if you've got food service gifts or if you've got the gift of hospitality or you're introverted and you just have the gift of filing. You know, you just rather work in the back room. (laughs) That's cool. That's good. But get a purpose bigger than yourself because living for you, living for what you can gain in this life, it's never enough and it's always, always, always something happens and as soon as you think you've got your feet on solid ground, as soon as you think you're going to have an extra paycheck coming in, as soon as you think your investments are going to pay off, something always happens, doesn't it? Always happens. Always happens. That stuff never pans out. But God can use you. God can use you. And he'll give you a reason for something to live for bigger than you and broader than you, and, 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 and you'll love it. Third reason as I wrap up. Great reason. Why do you need to be part of a church family? Here's why. Because Jesus commands you to connect with other believers. Jesus commands us to connect with other believers. I'm not sure if you realize that church membership and involvement, this type of fellowship, is really a command. The book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 25, tells us plainly, Do not neglect our meeting and gathering together, as some people do was already happening in the early church. Some people, well, I don't need church. Yeah, I won't go. I don't know. you. Well, they'll be all right without me. They don't need my gifts. They'll, be, they'll make it. No, they won't. Now listen. He says, you don't neglect your meeting together as some people do. But do what? Look at all the words in capitals. Encourage one another. You know why you're going to need a church family? Because you're going to need some encouragement. One day you can be giving it. One day you can be dishing it out one day you can be loving other people and helping them and then listen one day life gets tough for you and buddy if you think life is tough with a church family you try to live it without one this world will chew you up and spit you out and you'll die and you'll go into a grave and they won't the day after you're gone everybody's right back in the old game living grinding moving and they won't know you lived or died 
Now, this isn't about leaving a legacy for you, but it is about making your life count for more than this crazy world offers. Amen? Encourage one another. Meet together. That's a command. That's not a suggestion. Especially, as he says, that the day of his return is drawing near. Some of you, you really, really, really could use some encouragement right now, couldn't you? Could you use some real, a real friend, a true friend? You think the time's going to come in the future, maybe if you're doing good now, that you might need some encouragement and support? Sure you do, because we all do. Now, how do you get connected to a church family when you're outside looking in? That's going to be our danger here, because a lot of us have been here a long, long time, and we know people and we have the relationships and it's not an intentional thing, but, but we have to be very intentional about opening up to other people who are new, who need relationships, who want to get a part of God's plan, and who want to get connected to a church family. And it's just difficult. So how do we, how do, we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Here's what you do. You know, I, I called somewhere the other day. I was trying to get some help. They said, oh, we got all this stuff, and I just found this whole, at the Baptist State Convention, this whole tons of resources and stuff and the guy says you know they've got tons of help you just got to ask so here's all you do to, to how do you get involved in a church family when it feels like you're on the outside looking in and you're saying that's really nice i just don't feel plugged in what you do is you determine where you are now and then you take the next logical step you just ask so when you ask me that how, how could i get in here's how i'm going to tell you Grab that response card, that welcome card that you filled out or were supposed to fill out at the beginning of service. Just get one out. If you got one, just get one. Because I want you to look at it for a second, just right on the front. It's very simple. If you look down about halfway through the page, you'll see where it says, My Decision Today. And you see, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, or I want to be baptized or I am interested in becoming a church member, I'd like to speak with a pastor or a counselor. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can check there. So, for instance, let me ask you about the first one. Have you stepped across the line? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you really trusted Him? If not, today's a great day to do that. Don't wait another day on that. Why are you fighting God's forgiveness? And why would you fight God's love? Why would you resist mercy? He loves you. He cares about you. He will save you and give you a brand new life. You'll come to Him. Next step beyond being a believer is to, to be baptized. Have you been baptized? We're going to be baptizing soon. There's a, there's a service listed in the bulletin. Have you been baptized? If you say, well, I've believed on Jesus, but if you haven't been immersed, if you haven't been baptized, then it's time to do it. Check that box. Put a check in there. Put your name on the card, and uh, we'll follow up with you. How about this? I'm, I'm interested in becoming a church member. Well, then show up tomorrow night at 6.30. You'll meet some other new people that they'll be new, so you'll all be uncomfortable together. And uh, you can join. And, and you know what? You can find out more about being a church member and what's involved with that. Any of them, you can go right down through there. You know, we talk about Sunday school all the time. It's not a children's program. It literally is a Bible study class that's geared to a specific age group or demographic group or something like that, specific needs. It's a small group just for you. But Sunday, it meets on Sunday. It's very convenient. And basically, if you're looking for a way to really get inside of the church, that's the way to do it is through Sunday school. 
And we want to build it so that four things happen in each class. When you start the class off, teachers, are you listening to me? I want this to happen in all, four, all of our classes, these four things. Number one, there needs to be the man-to-man, the relational. How are you doing? What's going on? Use an icebreaker, something like that. Everybody, name something that you like or something. Not the first-time guest. Don't make them do that. But, but like relational, man-to-man. you got to make friendships in there. Take five, ten minutes and do that. But then there's got to be man-to-God. We pray in those classes. Wouldn't it be great with what you're going through to have a trusted group of people that would really, really pray for you? So there's man-to-man, the relational. There's man-to-God praying with one another. There's the God-to-man. We take his word in Sunday school. We understand it a little better because we can ask questions in Sunday school. And then there's what we call believer to unbeliever. There should be some way that your class is trying to bring new people in. All of that happens in Sunday school. Sunday school is the arm of our church that welcomes and brings in. If you only come to Sunday morning, you'll never get committed like you need to be. Your relationships will never, ever, ever deepen enough. Do you know that when Kim and I were lost and in a life of drug abuse and all messed up, you know what really made the difference for us? Somebody told us about Jesus. And the Sunday school class that we got involved in really loved us and got to know us. You know what it was called? It was at this church down on Ashley Road, the Agape Sunday School class. Agape is a Christian word for unconditional love. It's the way God loves us. Francis Harkey was our teacher. I was in there with Eddie Thompson and different pe- a lot of different people, some of whom are still here today. That class today still has open arms and open hearts. That's just one of many classes here that would love to become a better friend of yours. Does it take time? Yeah. Does it take effort? Yeah, it does. It costs some time and effort. It really does. But there's nothing like it in the world. We need a church. We need a church family. That's the way God made us. We need it. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that each one of us here today would right now just kind of examine ourselves and say, where am I at? First question, have I accepted Jesus? Have I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of all my sins and If the answer to that is yes, that's great. If it's no, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Why wouldn't you pray, dear Lord Jesus, today I do that. I ask you into my heart and into my life. Save me, Lord. Change me. I trust you as my Savior. If you've accepted Christ, well, you just did so. Have you been baptized? Hmm? Have you been baptized by immersion? If not, you get out that welcome card in a moment and you check that little box, I want to be baptized. And we'll get up with you this week and you can be baptized very soon. It's an awesome thing to do. Next step, you say, if I've been saved and baptized, check that next box. I'm interested in becoming a church member. I'd like to know about being a member of this church. I'd like to get plugged in and then show up tomorrow evening at 6.30 p.m. for the new members class. 
or check the box about how to find out more about a Sunday school, a Bible study class. Our Sunday school ought to be just, just brimming, just bubbling over with people saying, man, this is incredible. This is, this is the essence of the Christian life. Lord, I pray that you will help us during the next five minutes or so as we wrap up just to do business with you. God, move by your spirit in this place. God, speak to our hearts. Help us to realize we're never going to make it on our own. Help us to realize we weren't meant to make it on our own. That's intentional, that we would come up lacking and then say, where are the answers? Where's the need filled? And you says, you say, my, 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 the need is filled through the church, through my church. In so many ways. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's stay.